This morning, we continue this series called Character Traits, as today we're going to look uh, at the character of Solomon. And uh, although he is a fraught character a little bit uh, in the Old Testament, he also brings uh, a great deal about wisdom as we look at this passage today in 1 Kings chapter 3. Solomon became the son-in-law of Pharaoh, Egypt's king, when he married Pharaoh's daughter. He brought her to David's city until he finished building his royal palace, the Lord's temple, and the wall around Jerusalem. Unfortunately, the people were sacrificing the shrines because the temple hadn't yet been built for the Lord's name in those days. Now Solomon loved to walk in the laws of his father David, with the exception that he also sacrificed and burnt incense at the shrines. The king went to, sac- to the great shrine at Gibeon in order to sacrifice there. He used to offer a thousand entirely burned offerings on that altar. The Lord appeared to Solomon at Gibeon in a dream at night. God said, ask whatever you wish and I'll give it to you. Solomon responded, you showed so much kindness to your servant, my father David, when he walked before you in truth, righteousness, and with a heart true to you. You've kept this great loyalty and kindness for him and have now given him a son to sit on his throne. And now, Lord my God, you have made me your servant king in my father David's place. But I'm young and inexperienced. I, don't, I know next to nothing. But I'm here, your servant, in the middle of the people you have chosen, a large population that can't be numbered or counted to due to its vast size. Please give your servant a discerning mind in order to govern your people and to distinguish good from evil. Because no one is able to govern this important people of yours without your help. It pleased the Lord that Solomon had made this request. God said to him, because you have asked for this instead of requesting long life, wealth, or victory over your enemies. Asking for discernment so as to acquire good judgment, I will now do just what you said. Look, I hereby give you a wise and understanding mind. There has been no one like you before now, nor will there be anyone like you afterward. I now also give you what you didn't ask for wealth and fame. There won't be a king like you as long as you live. And if you walk in my ways and obey my, com- my laws and commands, just as your father David did, then I will give you a very long life. Solomon awoke and realized it was a dream. He went to Jerusalem and stood before the chest containing the Lord's covenant. Then he offered entirely burned offerings and well-being sacrifices and held a celebration for all his servants. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, let the words of my mouth and the thoughts and meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We don't revere the elderly as much as we used to in our culture. Our society has turned getting really old into a type of burden, a burden for the family, having to make decisions about where someone should live or the care they should receive, a burden especially for the elderly person, having to return to dependence after a life of independence. Now, we could have an entire discussion about the problem of elder care in our society, and that's not what today is about. But I believe that we do not value the elderly especially well because we do not value wisdom in our culture. We value snap decisions, the type of people who can think on their feet. We value ingenuity and creativity. We value people who can see what we want before we even knew that we wanted it. 
but wisdom. That's hard to quantify. So we don't value it because we don't really have a way to measure wisdom. We know that many elderly people have wisdom, although not all of them. To some degree, there is just a wisdom of lived experience. Some of our elders understand that history repeats itself because they have lived through multiple cycles and iterations. Russia does not surprise them right now because they remember the Cold War and the fall of the Berlin Wall. Racial tension does not surprise them because they remember the struggle for civil rights and the backlash against it. Now a true elder has wisdom when she can see the repetition of the past and respond in a new and different way. Just begrudgingly going along with that's the way the world looks like, like Eeyore, is not wise. That's just apathy. So many of our elders are wise, but we recognize that wisdom is not a factor of age alone. In the same way, wisdom is not merely intelligence. Intelligent people have fast brains. They process equations or storylines or multiple things at the same time. High intelligence is like saying that someone has a really fast processor. Now, while intelligence is helpful, it has nothing to do with character. Intelligence is not something that can be fostered out of nothing. Intelligence is partly related to our genetic makeup. So if wisdom is not intelligence, is wisdom then a gift? Or is wisdom a skill that we can learn? We see some people and can say that he's wise beyond his years. In other words, he has the discerning qualities of someone much older than he is. Or we say that she has an old soul. When my wife is told that she has an old soul, I don't think that's just because she prefers to go to bed before 10 p.m. I think it's also a peek into her character. She's had an old soul since high school. So how do we become wise? In Solomon's dream today, what is striking is that he asks for just this, wisdom. Listen again to Solomon's request from God. God literally sounds like a genie here, telling Solomon to ask for anything he could wish. Here's how Solomon responds. And now, Lord my King, Lord my God, you have made me your servant king in my father David's place. But I'm young and inexperienced. I know next to nothing. But I'm here, your servant, in the middle of the people you've chosen, a large population that can't be numbered or counted due to its vast size. Please give your servant a discerning mind in order to govern your people and to distinguish good from evil because no one is able to govern this important people of yours without your help. Solomon recognizes his predicament. He is young and inexperienced and does not know what he is doing. The crazy thing about monarchies is that there's no apprenticeship for them. Solomon didn't go from being VP of the organization to just being the CEO overnight. No, he was one of David's many sons. And then he had to fight for the throne that David granted to him. So he tells God honestly where he is lacking. This humility is an essential ingredient for wisdom. We have to know our limits. We have to be self-aware enough to know those places where we are both strong and weak. This, in and of itself, shows wisdom on Solomon's part. 
Then Solomon sees the incredible opportunity before him. He understands the potential impact of his leadership. He sees that Israel is now a vast people and they need to be able to hold their own on the world stage or they will be taken over. This would likely lead someone to a political or a military strategy request of God. God, make it so that our army never loses. Give us the victory. But that is not what Solomon requests. Instead, he asks for a discerning mind to govern God's people and to distinguish good from evil. This phrase, discerning mind, might better be translated a listening heart or an obedient heart. Solomon is not simply asking for the ability to be discerning when difficult decisions present themselves. Solomon is placing himself under God's purpose for justice. Solomon closes his speech to God by stating that no one can govern God's people without God's help. Solomon is looking for divine wisdom, a heart that can listen to God's heart and make decisions in line with God. So my question about how we obtain wisdom gets a little bit more specific with Solomon. How do we foster a listening heart? I think about James writing in the New Testament, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to grow angry. This description, if it defines a person, is someone who we would hold up as wise. The person quick to listen and slow to speak is thoughtful, pensive, and discerning. We foster a listening heart by listening first. We don't prejudge. Instead, we pray to become the type of people who hear others out. What describes someone who is unwise? Someone who runs their mouth before realizing what is coming out of it. Someone who constantly has to put a foot in their mouth because they offended someone or didn't hear their story. Unwise people are not listening first. Their posture is either one of indifference to the other person or disdain. And the unwise person gets riled up quickly. The characteristics of being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry are traits that we all should aspire to. Yet we find that many people in positions of power or leadership have the opposite traits. And I think it's because as power is granted, it becomes tempting to shortcut these ways to wisdom. For wisdom requires perspective I think how our passage begins today is truly important. We learn, almost nonchalantly in the text, that Solomon married Pharaoh's daughter. What? The king of Israel married the daughter of the former enslaver. What is going on here? On a political level, there is an obvious allegiance that Solomon is forming here. If Solomon is married to Pharaoh's daughter, Israel has a powerful ally in Egypt. But viewed through another lens, we can actually see the leadership of Pharaoh as a contrasting vision to the one that Solomon displays. For the way of Pharaoh and the way of any power-hungry leader is the same. If God asked Pharaoh what Pharaoh's wishes were, it would be a combination of riches, long life, and victory. These are the goals of Pharaoh. These are the goals of empire. Instead of wisdom... The traits most valued by Pharaoh are greed, power, and selfishness. 
the pharaohs of our world who climb to power on the backs of others, who take innocent lives without respect for life, who seek winning at all costs, they are not the wise ones. So Solomon, seeking another way of leadership, a way that is based upon discerning God's justice and way for the people, is rather revolutionary. And this greed and selfishness is not just something we can blame and attribute to world and corporate leaders. No, it lives within each of us. Have you ever played the game of life, that board game? As I get older, if I lose perspective over what matters, it starts to feel like I'm losing at that game of life. For the intention of the game of life when you play it is essentially the American dream, to get the highest paying job, lead a prosperous life so that you can retire with lots of money. When you've chosen a career path like teaching or ministry or public service, you start to realize that in the game of life, you may have taken a wrong turn. For anyone in their teens or early 20s can make a moral high road decision to make less money. They didn't have any money to begin with. And when you compare yourself to your friends and neighbors and you start to realize that they are beating you at the game of life, if that game is all about having the most money and the most stuff. This is a real struggle, autobiographically. It's a struggle between the greed of Pharaoh versus trust in God. And for those of us who make less money, we can still be just as money-obsessed as the wealthy person. And for those of us who make a lot of money, we don't have to be ruled by that money. It does not have to define our lives. Where the struggle with wisdom really affects my life is when I get obsessed with small things that I can control. Sometimes those are small things, decisions about what thing to buy among comparable other things. Because I want to win in this pretend game that's going on within my head. I want to do better at this game of life. So if I just pick the right washing machine to replace my existing washing machine, somehow I am winning. We have to replace a washing machine right now. Um, but this is not wisdom or a listening heart. Obsession with what I can control is the realm of Pharaoh. Trusting in God completely, on the other hand, is the realm of faith. Wisdom is knowing and discerning how to trust God each and every day. Wisdom is having the perspective to know that those things where I am seeking greed or selfishness are not actually winning at the game of life. For wisdom results in making just and right decisions. And wisdom is needed for those decisions because without wisdom, we make decisions using the logic of Pharaoh, the logic of greed and selfishness. The reason why we seek wisdom is because the world is complex. People are complex. Decisions are complex. We assume that there is a right and a wrong choice. We teach morals to children like everything is just either black or white. That there are shades of gray, and we come to learn that is as we grow up. That there's a lot of smaller decisions along the way. So wisdom is necessary. The ability to discern what the different options are and sometimes refusing to simply see a situation as black and white. I hope that you and I realize today that we need to seek wisdom. 
not just ask or pray for it for leaders, pawning it off as something they need. Sometimes that feels like a last-ditch effort when we're praying that people who are schooled in the ways of Pharaoh will somehow become people with listening and discerning hearts. But each of us needs wisdom, not just the people in charge. So I encourage you today, the call to faith, a listening heart. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we need to be schooled in the way of wisdom. None of us has a heart that is discerning your will nearly to the degree that which we'd like it to. Lord, I know for myself, I need your wisdom daily. I want to seek a listening heart over and against the ways of Pharaoh, those ways of greed, selfishness, and lust for power. So Lord, help us. I pray that each of us on this day would seek even just one instance where we can be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to grow angry. And just in doing that, just in that one move on this day, we might see your justice prevail and your kingdom come just a little bit more in our lives and in this world. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen.